Hey, thank you for joining me. I'm going to jump right into this thing that I have given some thought to um, because I had an epiphany today and I've come up with a way of defining it. <laughs> so it's predisposition deficit terminology. And let me just explain what I mean by that. Because there's, there's certain terminology I've found that when you hear it, it sounds like it comes across in a way where it's like saying subliminally, I'm lacking something. I'm in deficit. There is not a whole thing here. It's half of a whole or a quarter of a whole or maybe just, you know, 0.001 of a whole. <laughs> There's something missing. And so it's really difficult to talk about a topic like single motherhood with this deficit terminology, okay? Because I find that because this terminology comes across in a way where you're just, you're automatically thinking, okay, there's, you're lacking, you're, you're lacking another parent. There's, 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 there's a... A deficit here, right? When you're coming across in this way, how would you respond to a person that's approaching you and saying that they're lacking in something, that there's a deficit, you know, that, there, that there's something wrong? Like, how would you respond to that, right? And especially when, it, when it's something that's sort of vulnerable, right? Being a single mother or, or, you know, when somebody's telling you about a trauma or something, right? It's like, there's sort of this um, exchange, like you feel like you have to do something about it, right? And so people can respond to it either with judgment because it, it rubs in the wrong way because it's just like, okay, let's suck it up. Like we're all <laughs> dealing with our own pile of shit. Like why, why are you speaking about this? Why are you putting this on me? What do you want from me, right? Or there's some people who will respond with compassion, where it's just like, you know, I know it's hard and, and be encouraging and try to give some of their cup to fill whatever cup they're perceiving needs to be filled, right? And then you get this sort of reaction that, I, you know, I'd be hoping for is this neutral, you know, thing where you can just sort of listen and take in the information and understand better, right? So because of this deficit terminology and single motherhood, there's sort of like two ways that you can take it. And one way is it feels like it has a connection to victim mentality, right? When you use language like that, it's like, I'm a victim. There's something lacking. I'm in deficit. I'm a single mother, <laughs> you know? And then there's another way where you can take it, where it's just like, this is circumstantial and that's it. It's just, it's just a part of a person's life, right? Like, um, like being an immigrant or, you know, having some sort of racial thing happening for you. And it's just circumstantial. It's just that just the, the hand you were dealt, right? It's not, it's not a, a grab for something. It's not needy. And so it's difficult to talk about single motherhood 
with this kind of terminology because people can respond in so many weird ways. <laughs> and it's really confusing. I have been like trying to work this out of my head because when you're not getting sort of the desired responses that you think or anticipate you're going to get, and I know, right, like you can never predict how people are going to respond and then that, that's fine. But what I'm looking is for is a general understanding of what I'm trying to say. And it doesn't feel like it's getting across because people look at this, they have this disposition for this deficit terminology where they, where they see that terminology and they just say, you know, oh, this is, this is a, a grab for something. This is needy. This is somebody saying that they're lacking in something. Oh, they want sympathy or for us to feel sad or, or whatever, right? And so it's difficult to speak through that lens kind of just um, neutrally, right? Or for, for people to perceive it that way. So, you know, it's like, I watched this, this woman yesterday. I watched a TikTok <laughs> and it was a lady who was a meth addict at one point in her life and she was um, sober. Her username was like recovering meth addict or something, right? So it's just like that terminology right away. You're like, okay, this is, yeah, there's a fine line here before, you know, this discomfort that I can feel potentially with this person, pardon me, being vulnerable, right? It can be kind of cringy. It's like, what are they going to say? You know, is it, oh, woe is me, right? Or is it something else? And so I'm watching this lady and because I'm aware of this thing, <laughs> I'm just neutral. I just want to listen. And so I'm listening to this lady and she's talking about some of her experiences and stuff. And I'm like, huh, that's cool. Like, that's interesting. Like, that's that's part of her life. And she's talking about it, right? She's over it. And she's not in the thick of it. You can tell that there's not this neediness, that she's not being a, a victim, right? It's not this this disc, this uncomfortable airing of of vulnerable laundry <laughs> where I feel like I need to feel sorry for her. It's not like that. There's like a strength in what she's saying, right? So that's kind of what I'm going for here. It's like, you know, it's it's been a long time. And I mean, I'm, I'm still a single mother and maybe that plays into it. I don't know. My son's like 13. Like, I don't, it's, but the stuff that I'm talking about, it's like, it the early on stuff like from when i was in the trenches of single motherhood you know teen mom abuse and no help and all that all that shebang so you know it's something that i have had to persevere <laughs> through like <laughs> just the most intense you know, lessons and self-introspection and learning and whatever that you could possibly imagine, I threw myself into into self-development and awareness and, you know, comparison and trying to, you know, pick out what might not be functioning in me properly and, you know, conceptualizing what faults I may or may not have, you know, does this sort of fit the bill? If not, you know, delete, let's, what is this, you know? And I just tried to figure myself out. I was so immersed in psychology. I was such a fan of Dr. Gabor Mate, like a long time ago. He was sort of the first initial um, psychologist that was really big into childhood trauma. And I was just fascinated by him. 
but like I have like three different blog websites with like 20 posts in each, each blog. And like, I used to write my life away about, you know, what was going on in my head and like trying to figure myself out. I, I wrote like this thing about the survivalist and I researched the fuck out of it. And I, you know, never had any help to, I never had anybody to diagnose me because I could not access, access the help. You know, I was never on any sort of medication ever in my life. I've never had a therapist. I've never, you know, none of that. I had none of that help available to me. And so I had to be my own savior to be able to be confident, competent, and, you know, develop myself and become dedicated to my self-growth. And so I can't, I can't even tell you the phases, the lessons, the, the pain and, and taking responsibility and, and, and going through all of that for 10 years. And it was hard work, you know, and it's almost uncomfortable whenever I share a piece of my life and these stories that I'm, that I'm telling and, and will continue to tell throughout the entirety of this podcast. But it's almost uncomfortable when people take the position of feeling sympathy or like trying to encourage me or something when I'm telling these things that are from 10 years ago, because it's like, I put in the work. There's no amount of sympathy or self-love or encouragement that anyone could ever give me that would amount to something more than what I had to do for myself. You know, I'm very proud of that. I have a lot of pride in, in how I was able to change and evolve from such circumstances. Let me tell you, a lot of people do not come out of what I've been through with all of their marbles intact. <laughs> That's true. It's very true. And it's also why when I was going through it, my I did not want to surround myself with anybody who was going through what I was going through because they're fucking crazy. <laughs> they're not making good choices for themselves. They're not like, you know, the last thing that you need is to surround yourself with people who are going through the same shit, who are going to enable you, who you can wallow in your misery together with. You want to elevate yourself. You want to be surrounded by better people than you so that you can kind of get to the next thing. Otherwise, you're stagnant and stuck there forever. And, you know, you're that 40-year-old dude who's still wearing skater shoes and like, like a um, a DC hat and an earrings and shit. We've all seen those dudes. At least I have. And it's like, they're, it's like they're 24 forever and they're like 50. But my point is that, you know, I was really dedicated to, to growing. I was really dedicated to growing and I put in the work. And so the response that I'm sort of anticipating, what I'm hoping for is understanding because ultimately what I'm trying to do here is talk about the realities of being in the position that I was that long ago. Because there are other girls in that same position struggling today. And that bothers me. You know, that makes my skin crawl. It makes me so sad because it was hell. It was hell on earth. It was so hard. And so, you know, with momentum, this, this is like, this is information that should get out because there needs to be a change. There needs to be a change in the world. More resources for single mothers living in poverty. There needs to be more resources. There's not enough. And so that's my, that's my prerogative here. And the other part of this is I would have killed 
for somebody <laughs> to speak about these things, the ugly, the ugly things, that the embarrassing things, humiliating, the things that make you feel guilty and ashamed. I would have killed for somebody to speak about these things when I was a struggling single mother. You know, like it would have helped me to not feel so fucked. <laughs> there's no, there's no word equivalent. It's just fucked. You know, um, it would have helped me not feel so isolated. It would have made me feel like someone else was out there talking about it. Like it's not something I had to hide. Cause that's another thing. Like I couldn't talk about it. I was trying to be somebody else that I wasn't because it was so embarrassing and awful. And I just wanted to hide. And that on top of everything that you're dealing with, it's too much, you know, it's too much pressure. So I'm trying to cultivate a community where girls don't have to be, have to feel ashamed or feel like I did because it's not a pleasant place to be. And sometimes those feelings can fester and they get in the way of you succeeding and you overcoming. And I don't want that for anybody because so much of the time people that go through what I went through, they don't make it. And I mean that in the sense where they don't evolve, they stay stagnant, you know, they stay struggling, they stay jaded, they stay unhealed, unhinged even, you know, they become fucking insane. They just, so that's my prerogative here. And me sharing my stories, these are just like snippets of my life that I'm comfortable talking about now, you know, I'm just, I'm just here sharing my story. I'm not trying to get anything. I don't want anything. You know, it doesn't necessarily benefit me, you know, greatly benefit me personally to to be like, here is all the embarrassing shit I've been through. I'm doing this in the name of a bigger end goal, right? And that's, and that's to, to get the momentum to, to, to be able to do something real to change this in the world. There's a lot of topics floating around in the media right now that um, I want to weigh in on because, <laughs> oddly enough, they're all sort of um, resonating with me because I have, you know, direct experience with them. You know, f- right now it's the abortion thing. And then also um, <laughs> Jordan Peterson got into a little bit of trouble, you know, after commenting on a plus size model. And I just sort of saw that and laughed a little bit because I just, um, God bless Jordan Peterson. I have followed him since the beginning and, and I, I love that man to death. Um, he's a good man. Um, but you know, it's just like, um, not everybody is perfect. (laughs) So my response to it is just sort of, you can't really take, you know, just a, a, a tiny sound bite of somebody's life or perspective or whatever and and judge them and demonize them over it and so when i compare you know this to the scope of jordan's brilliance it just seems silly to me i just kind of laughed and i'm like whoops (laughs) in my head and i just feel for him because (laughs) i don't think he needs any more turbulence in his life um but i wanted to weigh in on this on this this whole weight issue and glamorizing it because I have grown up in an obese family. 
Um, obesity has been all around me since I was young and now it still is, you know, um, unfortunately my father passed away from COVID this past year and it was because he was obese, right? And I think we should all be very aware of the issue because obesity was the number one cause of COVID deaths, right? So I don't understand why it's this sort of taboo subject where, people aren't understanding that health is like being unhealthy is not good. (laughs) Like I don't, I don't understand that. So it's like, I get where Jordan's coming from because he followed it up with a sort of an explanation. I don't have his quote right in front of me, but the explanation made a lot of sense. I mean, how he approached it, maybe, you know, could have maybe approached it in a different way. Right. But, um, but it's scary. It's scary to glamorize being obese and being overweight and not um, glamorizing health. It's like, okay, so people want to argue that the standard of beauty has been insane and there's so much pressure on women and yada, yada, yada. And it's like these just unattainable standards. It's like, okay, yeah, that's bad also because it's like extremism But, you know, why is the answer to start glamorizing, you know, being overweight and and obese? It's like, why don't we have to go from zero to 100 on the opposite side of the scale altogether? We'll just fuck it. We'll just forget about, we'll just forget about being super thin and skinny and unattainably skinny. And we'll just be fucking fat. You know, we'll just be overweight and unhealthy. Okay, so... You know, I am not attacking anyone personally, okay, but what I, what kind of blows my mind, it's something that I am worried about in my own family, in my own life, you know, is the consequences of that. How long are they going to be around for? What help are they going to require when they get older? How is that going to impact the aging process on their body? How is that going to impact their ability to, you know, parent? How is that going to affect their day-to-day life? You know, I was thinking about this and it's like, (laughs) when I haven't worked out in a while or like I'm hungover, I'll get up and I'll walk to the kitchen. I'll have to stop and I'll be like, (laughs) I'm a little bit out of breath, you know? And um, I think about what it's like, what it might be like to carry so much weight with very little muscle definition, you know, just doing the normal things that you've got to do in your day-to-day life about how much harder you're making it on yourself as a larger person, you know, to do that. One of the things that I love about working out when I'm, when I'm doing it regularly is that it makes you feel stronger and it makes life feel easier Like it just makes you feel like you're more capable of dealing with the things you've got to deal with in life. It's very noticeable, right? And I just, it's like some people haven't had the opportunity to feel that strong, so they don't know what they're missing out on. And so they've just kind of become complacent because life doesn't really get any better from here in regards to how you're functioning, right? So... I get that. The having the contrast is really important so that you know what you're missing out on, right? It's like <laughs> being miserable all the time. If you've never felt pure happiness or joy or 
or never being in love, right? Like once you have that contrast and you're like, oh, <laughs> this is what I want, right? And it evokes that desire in you, that natural desire for you to want better for yourself because you've now experienced the better out there. And so like, I kind of think I understand where it's coming from in the sense that, you know, this whole woke culture and a lot of things are just like, you know, it's extremism. It's just like, you know, fuck this. We're not going to be oppressed. You know, be whoever you want to be. Love yourself for who you are, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, but why does it got to be zero to 100? Okay, we're just we're flying off the rails a little bit here, right? It, does, it doesn't make any sense. It's not logical, right? So coming from somebody who, you know, I just recently lost my father, right? Like, I, and he would not be gone if he had taken care of himself. I'm aware of that. And, you know, here I am talking about it. Being obese and overweight and unhealthy is not a good thing. And it's got all kinds of consequences that not only you, you yourself are going to suffer, but you are affecting the lives of other people, okay, with your negligence in not taking care of yourself. Who's going to take care of you? When you get older, when you start having health issues that you could have prevented, right? You just, you, you know, like <laughs> healthcare workers, they're just going to, you know, the, the um, elderly homes and stuff, the, the senior centers and, you know, all these people have got to put extra work in to try to accommodate your size and your health and your needs and your diabetes and your, all your bones that are not functioning properly because nothing is strong. You know, like it's very, it is a very selfish thing to do to not take care of your body, right? And because this is so evident in my family, right? I, I, with my son, like it is a something that we talk about and we have, you know, from a very early age, you know, I'm always trying to tell him as much as I can in, in terms of this is healthy. This is what happens when you eat this. Like you have to take care of yourself. You've got to exercise your body. You have to be aware of this. We've talked about the health, health issues in my family specifically, you know, like, because he started noticing it, right? He's just like, hmm, you know, this is a little bit different. Like what's going on here? And I would explain it's something that we just talk about because it's important, right? It should just be like any other aspect of your health, of your health, right? You're talking about that with your with your kids and you want to make sure that they're um, doing what they need to be doing and, you know, and, and, and just being guided in the proper way. So it's a very open conversation, you know, in, in my son's life. And he takes pride in taking care of himself, right? Like he's, he's doing uh, pull-ups now, chin-ups, and um, he just feels so awesome. He feels so proud about it, right? It's something that benefits everybody. And it's, it's good to have that contrast, right? And so when kids know how to be healthy and feel good, when you're, when you're kicking them off into, into adulthood with that in place, right? They know how to feel good. They know how to take care of themselves, you know, then they're starting from a good place in life, right? If it's, if it's not a part of the conversation and, you know, they're, they're overweight or they're not active or whatever, then they're already feeling not as good as they could be feeling. And it's your fault as a parent, 
okay? Now, I know that things can be difficult, right? And we all beat ourselves up, okay? And I'm not trying to, you know, beat you up with, with what I'm sharing here, but it is also important to take responsibility for things. I know that there's things that I could be doing better. The important thing is that I have to be aware of it and I have to try to work towards a better end goal, right? Maybe I'm not doing the best with this in regards to parenting, right? But I have to be aware of it. I have to take responsibility. I know my faults, right? I feel them deep, deeply. I'm not fooling myself into, you know, thinking that there's no there's no problem here where there are things that need correcting. So, you know, being healthy is important, right? That's what should be <laughs> glamorized. That's what should be encouraged, right? Just good, healthy bodies, you know, lifting and stretching and running and breathing and sleeping well, right? Sleep should be glamorized. Oh my God. Sleep is like the secret weapon that's never talked about. Sleep is so good for you and your brain. And my God, when you're a mother and you've just got, you know, the endless list of things to do, right? Sleep is extremely important, you know, to, to heal yourself, to be able to equip yourself for the next day, right? Health is very much like that. Just the whole, just the whole package, right? But your body, your body that's got to move and think and, you know, handle everything. You got to take care of it. And so I don't understand this whole, like, is it about cushioning, right? Like we're trying to, is it about people feeling insecure about themselves? And then now this is sort of like liberating or something. And we're trying to provide that safe space so that those people can feel liberated and better about themselves. Is that what this is about? Because that's like a, you know, it's kind of like a participation trophy. You kind of have to feel shitty about yourself. You know, if there's, if there's something wrong, that's what propels you forward to make a change. You know, revel in it a bit. Feel a little bit sorry for yourself. And then do something about it. Right? So, you know, why should we be feeding into insecurities you know, that other people have to make them feel better when there is an actual problem, right? Like if you're going to, oh, I feel insecure because I'm overweight and yada, yada. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, it's okay. You know, you're beautiful. We yada, yada, yada. Like, you know, I'm going to take a different approach. I'm going to talk about health with you. I'm going to try to be an example. I'm going to try to encourage you and, and tell you the benefits and how much better you're going to feel and, and, you know, take you, go out for walks with you, be, do, do whatever to try to help you get better because I don't want to see you suffer. I think that's the hardest part is when you have to watch somebody that you care about suffer. And in my case, you know, a lot of my family members, it's always on my mind, you know, when I'm visiting and stuff, it's just like, ah, oh, you don't know how bad this is going to get. You're not thinking about the longevity here, the long game. Okay. You, you, you don't know what you're missing out on. You don't know that you're going to be, you're affecting other people's lives as well. I don't want you to die before me. I don't want you to have to suffer through all these, these health consequences. So you know, it's important if you want the people that you love to stick around for a while, a good dose of honesty, transparency, that's what people need. People don't need you to, to 
to cushion their malfunctions and enable them to keep on doing the same thing that's killing them. How does that make any sense? Right? So it's important for people to be that voice of reason. And I'm not saying, you know, I, I am so not saying that you got to do it like, you know, you're fat. <laughs> you know, you've really got to lose some weight or, you know, anything like that. That is not what I'm saying. Okay. You can't change people. You can only be exemplary. Okay. You've got to be an example. You say it, you, you encourage with compassion, right? You try to be a good example to them so that they will feel that infectious energy and health, you know, encourage them, invite them out, right? Maybe, you know, a lot of the time in my family, I wasn't raised knowing anything about food in terms of what's good for you. I had to, you know, teach myself all of that. And I've noticed that a lot of people that are really, really overweight, they really don't know how to eat properly. They just don't know. It's just, they're just lacking the information, right? So slipping in tidbits of information or making them a meal or, or something like that, that's a very gentle, loving way of encouraging somebody to get on the right path with losing weight, you know? And that's what I try to do in my own life, with my own family. And it's, it's worked. I've seen it work. <laughs> I, was so, I was so proud of, the, of my mom, especially. She's wonderful. Um, you know, when I became, <laughs> I've been through so many phases in my life. One of my phases was becoming a vegan. I was just right about the veganism. Um, not anymore. I am more of a, uh, in, the, in the belief of homesteading. I think that that's the most sustainable way to live your life is to homestead. Um, but but she just jumped right on board, just in it with two feet, you know, brave and changed her life. And she's, you know, trying to be conscious of it, exercise. She feels good and she shares with me and I share with her and she asks me about exercises and it's like, it's fucking awesome. I love it so much. I love it so much. I feel like I'm going to get emotional. I'm so proud of people who can leave behind their rigid views and try to do something that's out of their comfort zone you know, for the betterment of themselves and the people around them. I think that is so moving. Just, just trying, just genuinely trying, you know, I think that's fucking awesome, you know, and even at the gym, you know, I, I worked at, um, in a gym for a while and it's just like the respect in the room from the trainers, from everyone in the gym, whenever you'd see like an obese person come into the gym and make the effort to be out of their comfort zone. Because I was thinking to myself, like, <laughs> like sometimes I feel insecure if I put on a little bit of, a little bit of weight and I know I got to start working out. And, you know, I got to, like, lose a little bit of weight to fit into my gym clothes to go to put on my gym clothes to, to go to the gym and lose weight. First, I have to fit into my gym clothes, like lose weight to fit into my gym clothes to go and lose weight, Right. Like I have a bit of an insecurity around that when I put on a little bit of weight. Um, and so I, I'm just trying to see this from this person's perspective. How courageous, how brave do you have to be to be really overweight and to go to the gym and step outside of your comfort zone? You know, to start from scratch. Maybe you don't know anything, right? And, you're, and you've never built on your muscle. 
definition before, right? So you're really weak. You can't do much. You don't know fuck all, but you're stepping out of your comfort zone to go to the gym to make a change for the betterment of yourself. And all I've ever seen in gyms was mad respect because that is fucking awesome. Still getting emotional over here, (laughs) but it's really great, you know, and that's the kind of like right on fucking that's the kind of thing that deserves an applause, right? And not just not this glamorizing of being overweight that doesn't do anything for anybody. So that's my opinion on it. And it's, and it's one that's, you know, it hit home, it hits home for me. It's very close to my heart. It's something that I've, I've seen and been around all my life and it's very personal to me. Oh, and for, you know, those of you saying that, you know, I, I see a lot of re- reference to the Renaissance paintings and the overweight ladies and how being overweight was a sign of wealth back in the day and all of that. Yeah, you know, cigarettes were once prescribed <laughs> to people. You know, sugar was once upon a time the, 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 the thing that helped people lose weight. It was good for you. There's a lot of stupid shit that we have insisted on doing, (laughs) that we have marketed, that has been trendy. It doesn't make it healthier for you, right? And is that not what we're trying to do as, as a species is just keep on evolving to the point where we are so in tuned, where we're doing the healthy things, you know, to be able to evolve, right? And I just don't think that enabling overweight and obese people you know, robbing them of that, of that opportunity to, to feel better than they feel by enabling them. I don't think that that's the right thing to do. And I'm not coming from a place where I'm demonizing you, you know, where I'm, I'm like saying that I don't like you as a person or that I hate you or none of that shit. It's just about human beings being among, among each other and correcting each other right? It's just like, hey, you know, this is kind of not a good thing, right? And you sort of gently nudge people. And when you care, you do that, right? You you step in a bit. And where if you are going to step in, you don't enable, right? So for any sort of thing that's not good, good for us, any, any faucet of addiction, right? Whether it's obesity or drugs or alcoholism, right? For the people that care about you, you know, they should say something. They shouldn't be enabling you, right? And that's how we all sort of become better people. If you keep on saying, yeah, you're great, just always encouraging about every single stupid decision that you have, you're never going to grow. You're never going to get anywhere. You're just going to keep on continuing to do stupid shit. (laughs) You know, so I, for one, would rather, I would rather have People, the people that care about me to try to correct or, or in, in a loving way, like I said, with compassion or be an example or just, you know, like just, just call me on it in a way where I can, I'm aware of it and I can correct it or work towards it or, or whatever. Right. So that was, those are, those are my thoughts on it. And with that, I think I'm going to wrap it up for the day. So there you have it, obesity and deficit terminology. Hope you enjoyed it.